0: You are listening to the Parkview Church Podcast. To learn more about Parkview Church, including our gathering times in Palm Coast, Florida, visit us online at parkviewlife.com. Do all roads lead to God? This is a big question. Because we're aware of people around us with very different belief systems, and to say that your unique road leads to God seems kind of exclusivistic today, and some would even say arrogant. But let's think about this for a second. Do all roads lead to God? Well, the question is, what's a road? A road is a path that you get from A to B. But as we start to look at different religions, guess what we find? The path that people say we are on and how we get to salvation is very different. Let's take a step back and think about something for a minute. It's not just Christians who say their path is correct. Muslims believe their path is correct. Jews believe their path is correct. Atheists believe their path is correct. Now, of course, they don't believe there's a God at the end, but they think they're right and everybody else is wrong. To Muslims, you have to follow the five pillars. You have to work and do certain things to earn God's favor and earn your salvation. Christians say it's by grace. Buddhists say it's through a process of enlightenment, by getting rid and purging yourself of your desires. So when we start to look at the different religions, we realize that the path they even say we're on is radically different. But then we say to God, the question is, what do different religions mean by God? Well, Christians say there's one God who's triune three persons. Muslims say there's one God, Allah. Hindus say there's 330 million gods. In fact, some versions of Buddhism would say that there is no God. It's actually more atheistic. Atheists say the path is we are all headed to destruction at the end. There's no afterlife, there's no soul, there's no God. So when we stop and we think about the idea that all roads lead to God, it's kind of incoherent when we break it down. All religions say we're on different paths and they all say we're even headed to different destinations. So clearly all roads don't lead to God in that sense. So the question is, is there a path that leads to God in the end? Well, here's something to keep in mind. I think Jesus is the only way to get to God because Jesus is the only one who fixed the problem. You see, the problem is sin. We've broken an objective moral law. God is a holy, perfect, righteous being. And since we are sinful, we are separated from Him. And the problem is sin, so the question is, who fixed the problem of sin? Look, if your car breaks down and you're out of gas, it doesn't do any good to get new spark plugs. It doesn't do any good to change the tires. It doesn't do any good to fix the carburetor. You have to identify the problem and fix it accordingly. In this case, the problem is it's out of gas. Give it more gas. Well, The reason Jesus is the only way is because Jesus is the only one who fixed the problem of sin. So everybody claims that their way is right to get to God. Jesus, who lived a sinless life, who did miracles, gave some of the greatest moral teachings, claimed to be the only way to get to God because he is the only one who fixed the problem.
1: You know, we live in a very complex world. And the the number of religious opinions and options seems almost uncountable. And so amongst all of these opinions and options, it seems a little bizarre or strange, or maybe even too simplistic to say that there's only one way. Could it really be that easy? Could it be that that answer is so clear that Jesus is the only answer? He is the answer. There is no other answer but him. Could it really be that clear or that simple or that straightforward? According to the Bible, yes. It's that clear, it's that simple, it's that straightforward. According to what Jesus himself said, yes. He is the only answer. In fact, John 14, he said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Nobody comes to the Father except through me. We cannot base what we believe on what we wish Jesus said. We have to base what we believe on what Jesus actually said. We have to base what we believe on what the Bible says. And if we believe that Jesus is God, then what we must do is take what he says as true. And what he said above all other things is that he is the Savior of the world. Jesus brought clarity amidst the confusion. Now I love the fact that the Bible brings clarity. I love that Jesus brings clarity. Because in a postmodern world filled with madness and chaos, what our world needs most is clarity. I'm reaching an age in my life where things aren't as clear as they used to be. In fact, I had something embarrassing happen not long ago and I wasn't really even sure what to do about it. I was out to eat and I got the bill, the receipt for my meal and I couldn't read it. And I'd left my reading glasses at home and I I didn't have anybody with me. And so i i thought i'm gonna feel about hundred and ten years old if i have to ask the waitress to read this for me <laughs> and so i'm sitting there and i mean i'm 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 adjusting it in the light i'm adjusting the distance i mean i but there is no way i cannot make out the numbers and i don't i'm you know i want to tip according to what i should be doing i want to know what the amount is i want to fill it out correctly sign it the whole nine yards And I utterly cannot find clarity on this piece of paper. And I don't know what you would have done in that moment. But all of a sudden, it dawned on me. I got out my phone. I took a picture of it. And then I blew up the photo. (laughs) So if you ever are in an absolute dilemma like that, know that it's okay. You can find clarity well in a world that is unclear in a world that is unsure in a world that is uncertain in a world that can't seemingly figure out what is going on jesus came to bring clarity and i love that scripture is clear and christ is clear that he is the way the truth and the life and nobody comes to the father except through him now, we've been going through this series entitled The Five Solas. Uh, sola means alone. These five solas, the word uh, sola is a Latin word, means alone. These five solas were born out of the Protestant Reformation, October thirty first, 1517, when Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the church door there in Germany. Now, the five statements or the five solas that come out of that is Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. And this weekend, the fourth sola that we're looking at in this five-part series is Christ alone. Now, know when the Reformers uh, brought this to the medieval church, the medieval church was in a very burdensome season. It was a very heavy-handed season of church life, if you will, because the church had bottled Christ like a commodity, and they had made Christ largely unavailable for ordinary believers. They had kind of put him away and they had kind of created a religious system that they had put on top of christ and they had hidden christ from ordinary believers but the recovery of christ alone as the free gift of god for our justification that's what they were bringing out that the the, the sola was christ alone as the free gift of God for our justification cracked through some of that, those burdens and that heavy handedness and really what they were doing is they were giving Jesus back to the people. And I want you to understand something about the reformers whether it was Knox in Scotland or Calvin in France or Swingley in Switzerland or uh, Luther in Germany no reformer brought forth any new truth no reformer brought forth any new truth all they did is help the people rediscover the biblical truths that the church had lost sight of for a long time and in Christ alone as they were putting that forth they were saying that saving faith is nothing less than total reliance on Christ alone wholly apart from human works or human efforts of any kind so i would say it like this the saving faith that we find in christ alone not only saves us completely but it saves us eternally the saving faith that you and i find in christ alone not only saves us completely but it saves us eternally and by the way if you're here and you're like skeptical about what we're saying. I have a challenge for you. If you're like I I just can't buy into the fact that salvation is in Jesus alone and he's the only way and he's the only one that's needed. If if you find that to be too challenging, then the challenging that I would give to you would be to read through the New Testament of the Bible. And as you read through the New Testament of the Bible, see if you can find any single thing that challenges the foundational truth that salvation is found in nobody other than Jesus Christ. Because as you read through the New Testament, you will see clearly. You will get great clarity amongst the confusion. You'll get great clarity, not, not discovering what you wish Jesus said, but discovering what he really said, what the Bible really says. And that is that Christ alone provides salvation gets us into a right relationship with god not based on anything that we've done but solely on what he has done it's apart from our works our efforts or our good deeds it is not about our performance it is about his perfection and as you go through the new testament what you will discover time and time and time again is jesus in fact In the New Testament, the name of Jesus is found 1,310 times. The name Messiah is found 469 times. The name Christ is found 74 times. The name Son of Man is found 85 times. The name Son of God is found 42 times. The name Uh, Alpha and Omega is found three times. The name Nazarene is found four times. 1,984 different names of Christ in the New Testament. Not counting, you... Him, He, and I, which those pronouns referencing the person of Jesus Christ are in the multiplied thousands. It is very easy to discover that the central focus of the New Testament is indeed the person and the completed work of Jesus Christ, and that salvation is found in Christ alone. The centerpiece, the, 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 the jewel of the crown of Christianity is not an idea it's not a system it's not a thing the centerpiece and the cruel the jewel of the crown of christianity is jesus christ and christ alone no wonder it says in acts chapter 4 and verse number 12 salvation is in no one else there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved so if you would As we look at Christ alone tonight, take your Bible and go to Romans chapter number 5 with me. Romans chapter number 5. And just two verses, verses 1 and 2 of Romans chapter number 5. The Bible says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith... We have peace with God, and here's the key phrase for, that we'll focus on this evening, through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been justified by faith. We've talked about that word justified almost every week in this series. A workable definition of justification or being justified is just as if I never sinned. So we are justified by faith with and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through Him, through Jesus. We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of god we are saved by grace alone through faith alone in christ alone a few things that is important for us to understand about this free gift of god that justifies us back to him through the work of Christ. A few things that are important to understand is, first of all, a pastor or a priest cannot save you. A pastor or a priest cannot save you. There's there's an important passage found in Matthew, uh, Luke, and John. In Matthew, it's chapter 27, really begins in like verse 50 or 51, where it tells us that Jesus upon uttering his seventh and final saying on the cross which was, it is finished when he gave up that last breath scripture there tells us in verse 53 of Matthew 27 interestingly enough as he gave up that last breath not only did dead bodies come out of the ground but something very important happened and very symbolic happened simultaneously with his last breath as he died in the temple there in jerusalem separating the holy place from the most holy place was the veil and the bible tells us in chapter 27 matthew verse 53 that the veil of the temple which separated the most holy place which was where the priest went to atone for sacrifice uh uh, for sins the sacrifice once a year on yom kippur the day of atonement that veil was ripped not from bottom to top so that we wouldn't have any question if some guy went in there and tore it but it ripped from top to bottom so that we know that it was god that tore it and in that moment what was symbolic about that was that we now have full access to the father through the son and so you do not have to you don't have to come to me to get access to god You don't have to go to any priest or any pastor or any religious leader in order to get access to God through them, because access has been made through the redemptive work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. In fact, Paul said it this way to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. He says, For there is one God, say one. There is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So there is one mediator between God and man, and it is the man, Jesus Christ. And by the way, the number one meant in Paul's day the same thing that the number one means in our day. One doesn't mean two, one doesn't mean three, one doesn't mean ten, one doesn't mean a hundred, and it didn't mean two, three, ten, or a hundred back then. One means one now, one meant one then. And so Paul said to Timothy, there's one mediator, one person that we go to, one go-between, between us and the Father, and that is the man Christ Jesus. And that's why oftentimes when I am... Uh, giving a prayer of faith or a prayer of salvation at the end of the service when I invite people to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ oftentimes you'll have heard me say hey now you're not praying this to me and you're not praying it to the person sitting next to you you are praying this prayer to God and the reason that you're not praying it to me is because I am not the mediator between God and and man jesus christ is the mediator he is the one that is the go-between and he is the one that made a way we have been doing this for you know two and a half decades now and there's a lot of stories that i have forgotten but there is one story about two years into the planting of parkview that i think i could live to be a hundred and never forget um, we were sitting in our living room over in the F section up on Flemingwood uh, Lane where we lived at the time, maybe maybe 18 months into uh, planting the church. And a lady had come over. She was inquisitive about the gospel. She was inquisitive about how a person finds Christ. She was seeking, and uh, she wanted you know, to find out more. And so we had invited a, 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 her over to our home And I'll never forget, we were sitting there on those uh, uh, cream sofas in the living room and just having a conversation about the gospel. And my wife got up and walked away, and and I'm so, to this day, disappointed that she didn't hear this because it, it really would have been so helpful in a lot of ways. But when my wife walked away, the lady and I continued in the conversation, and I was talking about how everybody is a sinner. And the lady looked at me, and she said, but you don't sin, do you? And I paused. I wondered if Denise could hear that from the other room. And I just wondered if she had kind of caught a glimpse of what the glory had uh, just been revealed here, you know. And I, I, I about responded the same way you just did. I laughed. I was like, oh, no. I said, let me just tell you something. I said, look, the best version of Greg Peters is the one that stands on the stage. You don't want the backstage pass of that guy. Like, he's, he's messed up. I, and, and so the Bible, when it says, all have sinned and come short sure of the glory of God, that means every single person that's walked the face of the earth as a, as a human being is a sinner. So therefore, uh, as sinners, we cannot make a path available for other sinners. But we needed the righteous one, Jesus Christ, to come and make a way. So, uh, friend, do not ever put a pastor, a priest, or a religious leader on some pedestal because they cannot help you find salvation in God. Salvation in God comes only through Jesus Christ. It never comes through a pastor or a priest. So not only can pastors or priests cannot save us, but secondly, a, a past Christian cannot save you. A past Christian cannot save you. If you're kind of one who has been kind of placing your hope in some saint that's going to kind of make things right for you, um, that's, that's not scriptural. Uh, in fact, many have been deceived around this idea of the co-redemptrix or the co-redemptress in uh, Mary believing that you know in order to get to Jesus you got to go through his mother and if you go through his mother then you get to Jesus and then you get to God and and I get from a human perspective like we place such a value on motherhood you know I always find it uh, somewhat humorous like father's day we tell dads they're a jerk and on mother's day we make women heroes and uh, so we just have this high value and I get it we have this high value of moms and and, and, and it's even interesting pastoring because at times through the years, I, I think people, they, they, they want to talk to me and they want to ask me questions and they want to find out more about me, but they don't really want to come to me and they know my mom goes to the church and so they go to my mom and they ask her about me and they find out information about me and uh, they, they, they want to get the background on me. And, um, and so I pay my mom 100 bucks a week to make that sound really good. <laughs> And as, as tempting as it may be to want to go through Mary, here, here's interesting. Uh, Jesus uh, said, oh, no, no, don't do that. Uh, Luke chapter number 11, verse 27, very interesting passage. says, as he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the woman that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. And he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And by the way, he wasn't trying to be disrespectful. Jesus loved his mother. There's no indication of anything other than that in Scripture. But he was just saying, let me give some clarity to the confusion here. As great as my mom is, blessed are those who hear the word and do it. And so... It's important for us to understand no pastor or priest can save us. This is why the reformers were saying, it's Christ alone. There's no past saint that can save us. The reformers were saying, it's Christ alone. It's scripture that says it's, it's Christ alone. No pastor or priest, no past saint. Thirdly, works cannot save you. Works cannot save you. We've talked about this now out of Ephesians 2 for a couple weeks. For by grace are you saved through faith. We are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works lest we could boast or brag about it. So there's no way that we are saved any other way than by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. It's not of works lest we could boast, but it rather is a gift of God. So what that says is, there is no self-salvation system. And as much as Walmart has self-checkout, heaven doesn't have self-check-in you're not checking yourself in I, I have yet to, to have this happen but I'm, I'm, it's coming and I, I've heard that it's out there but apparently now there's a way that when you arrive at your hotel you don't even have to go see the clerk you can just on your phone get the get a get the qr code or whatever get the room number and you literally walk from the from the from the car to the room and scan your phone over the little keypad and it just lets you in well i don't care how self-check-in this world becomes i'm telling you to get into the other world there's only one way and it is jesus christ and he is the savior alone works cannot save us there's a, a a wonderful passage of clarity around this found in Galatians chapter uh, 2 if you're in in Ephesians you might be able to kind of or Romans there you might be able to turn kind of quickly to Galatians chapter 2 verse 21 Galatians 2 21 says Paul said to the church of Galatia I do not nullify the grace of God or I do not void the grace of God for if righteousness were through the law then Christ died for no purpose if righteousness Came through obedience. If righteousness came through the works of the law, if righteousness came through human effort, through human deeds, through human accomplishments, if, if that's how righteousness would come, then there's no purpose for the death of Jesus. And I, I've said for years from this pulpit if you could earn your way to heaven, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary was the biggest waste of time in all of history. But because we can't earn our way to heaven, that's why Jesus came. And and Paul said, if if you were to add 1% of self to how to get to heaven, then you make the work of Jesus Christ 100% no good. If you could just add 1% of human effort, then Jesus would be 100% no good. I don't have time, but chapter 5 and verses 2 through 4, Paul goes on to talk about it's not through some religious ceremony or system, but Christ is all in all. That salvation is all in Christ. And so, pastors and priests can't save us, past Christians can't save us, and works cannot save us. Number four, only Jesus can save you because He is God. Only Jesus can save you because He is God. Paul writing to Titus he said in Titus chapter 2 and verse 13 that we are waiting for our blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior who Jesus Christ it's said, Titus all we're waiting for is the appearing of our great God and he names who our great God is Jesus Christ Christ was uh having a conversation with uh Thomas in john chapter 20 verses 27 and 28 then he said to thomas put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand and place it in my side do not disbelieve but believe and when thomas did that and he saw jesus for who he was he answered him my lord and my god and so the reason that Jesus can save us is because Jesus is God. In fact, God becomes 100% for us in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what God did. He showed that he was 100% for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Do You ever have any friends that are just like 100% for you? Like if you were in a jam, you know you would call them. The other night, I found myself in a little bit of a jam. Now, I was in a jam because Denise was in a jam, and Denise was in a jam, and I was out of town. Maybe you've had something like this happen, but Denise hadn't been feeling well for a few days. And we have been talking about her going to the doctor and trying to figure out what was going on. She even had a doctor's appointment, and but things kind of got worse and got worse, and so she she called me on uh, Monday, and she said, hey, I've I, I got to go. I can't wait till the doctor's appointment this week. i got to go figure out what's going on. I'm in too much pain. And I was like, okay. I, I kind of had been encouraging that. So I'm like, yeah, please go. And she was like, well, you know, I don't know whether MediQuick's cheaper or the emergency room. And so we tried to figure that out real quick. And seemed like MediQuick was probably a little bit less expensive option. So she went to MediQuick, and they said, go to the emergency room. And so that way we got to pay for both of them. And it um, <laughs> was a blessing. And uh, so... <laughs> So, um, so she got the emergency room and they, they were running all kinds of tests and everything and blood and, 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 and scans and, and all that. And I, I wasn't here. And, so, and, 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 and Denise, doesn't, Denise doesn't like a fuss about her. And she, she very, Denise is very behind the scenes. And she, she's not a, uh, I know you, you probably see her as a very strong and competent person as she is. But, but her true personality is she'd rather not be out in front. Um, In fact, we've laughed about it over the years. You know, like she won't even walk into a church service late because she doesn't want to draw. Like she wouldn't come in the back door and come down to the fourth or fifth row anytime after the service starts because she's just uncomfortable being in front of people like that. She'd rather just—so she doesn't like a fuss being made about her soul. But I'm out of town. She's in the emergency room. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I feel bad. We don't really know what's going on. And so um, I I called a a friend of hers, one of our elder wives, one of the ladies who serves— Alongside of her husband as an elder, and I called her to say, "Hey, could you like just check on Denise?" And uh, she didn't answer the phone. And so I waited about a half hour, and I thought, "I'm just going to go ahead and call the husband." I actually tried her back again, didn't reach her. So I called the husband. I'm like, "Hey, is your wife, you know, with you?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, she's. I mean, like, we're in proximity. She's with her family right now, but I'm in the other room. Uh, What do you need?" I said, "Well, it's no, it's not an emergency, and everything's okay. But Denise is in the emergency room, and I'm out of town, and I kind of." was just wanting like your wife to like be checking on her like could you just text her or you know find out and he's like oh pastor he's like where's she at and I said well she's at the new hospital he's like well we're leaving where we are now we're going to go to the emergency room I said no 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 I said listen don't you don't you don't need to go Denise isn't going to be comfortable with that just just don't just text her and see if she's okay he said pastor we will be offended if you don't let us leave right now and go to the emergency room And I was like, well, I don't want to offend you. And he's like, Pastor, we we have to go. We want to go check on her. We love you. We love her. We love your family. We pray for her. We pray for you. We pray for your family. Like, we're going right now. I'm like, okay. So I time it about the time I think they're going to be there. And I call Denise. And I'm like, hey, babe. She's like, Hey. And I'm like, how you doing? She said, well, I got visitors here. <laughs> I said, how'd that happen? She said, I don't know. I didn't tell anybody, and I didn't want you to tell anybody, but they're here. And I'm like, yeah, but that's because they're for us. Like, they love us. They care about us. They, you know, and 10 surgeries later, and she's great now. And 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 I'm kidding. She's fine uh, everything, uh, she's got a little, a little antibiotics everything was taken care of and she's good so we thank the Lord for that it was nothing major but, but, but what it, it's just, uh, uh, even through that you're like uncomfortable it's still just nice to know that somebody's just for you it's just good to know that you just can pick up the phone and somebody's going to absolutely inconvenience themselves rearrange their world and just go do whatever you need them to do Everybody's got those kind of people in their world where they're just like 100% for you. That pales in comparison to the fact that God is 100% for us. And he demonstrated that by coming in the person of Jesus Christ. He put on skin and came into this world. Emmanuel, they called Jesus Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so Christ alone, His righteousness, His blood, His resurrection is the only basis on which God's justice is satisfied and God becomes 100% for us in Christ both now and forever. You see, apart from Christ, we were enemies with God. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 10 tells us, for if while we were still enemies we were reconciled to god by the death of his son we at some point and at one point we were enemies with god remember jesus christ did not come to make good people better he came to make make dead people alive And there was a day and time in which we were an enemy of God. Romans 5.10 But in our text that we read tonight in verse number 1 we found out that we went from being an enemy of God to being at peace with God. Romans 5.1 Therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus absorbed the wrath and the judgment that was due upon us and Jesus died in our place. That's why the last thing he said in John 19:30 was, "It is finished." Because he died in our place and he paid our penalty. And what the Christian or and what the uh, the the Christian gospel is is simply this: that all the answers that we need For time and eternity are found in Christ. All the answers that we need for our soul, all the answers that we need for our sin, all the answers that we need for the hope of eternal life, all the answers that we need for everything are in Christ. And only in Christ and in Christ alone. There is no other Savior other than Jesus Christ. And you will find everything that you could ever need in Jesus Christ. I've I've said through this series, if you got to the gates of heaven and God said to you, why should I let you in? To not overly simplify it, but just to be clear on it, the answer is Jesus. That's why we are allowed in. In fact, Paul said to the church of Colossae in Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 10 that we have been made in him, we have been made complete. We are complete in the person of Jesus Christ. Now people people oftentimes think today that Christ is an important part, but there must be more. Like he's an important part, but he's not everything. So a lot of people think we need Christ plus philosophy. We need Christ plus psychology. We need Christ plus sociology. We need Christ plus ritual. We need Christ plus ceremony. We need Christ some plus some miraculous event. We need uh, Christ plus some uh, spiritual intuition. We need Christ plus some sort of you know uh, grand self denial. No, Paul said that we are complete in Christ. Verse ten of chapter two of Colossians but then he confronted that even more in verses 8 and 9 of Colossians 2. Paul said, "See to it that no one takes you captive See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit or oh, according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ, for in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily" So Paul was saying, don't let anybody distract you from Jesus Christ. Don't let anybody take you captive and pull you away from the single commitment to Christ. For in Christ you are complete, and in Christ dwells all the deity in bodily form. And in Him we have been made complete. We are complete in Christ. Amidst all the complications and amidst all the competitions and amidst all the complexities, amidst all the cults and the isms and the schisms that abound everywhere. Everybody's got a their own little hip pocket idea of God and truth and Christ and how the Bible fits in and etc etc etc. There are philosophers and authors and playwrights and novelists and academians and movie producers and talk show hosts and psychologists and sociologists and religious leaders ad infinitum, ad ad nauseum, have their own opinions about everything there is an endless verbosity around us but and everybody seems to have their view of life and everybody seems to have their view of morality and by the way no matter what view of life or now no matter what view of eternity or no matter what view of morality that you would put forth no matter what you put out there there are going to be countless comments and responses from people trying to spend their own thing in response to yours So no wonder people find it difficult on where to land and what to believe. And and, and in a world of so many opinions and options, can it only be Christ? And and while we may want to say to people, well, there's a lot of ways to him. No, we can't make Christ say what we wish he said. We must take him for what he did say. And he was very clear. And scripture is very clear. There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus. We now live in this postmodern world where it's okay for you to believe whatever you want to believe because there is no truth, there's no true truth, there's no absolute truth. You've got your truth, I've got my truth, and so what works for you works for you, and what works for me works for me. And people say, well, I'm glad you got your truth, but I got my own truth. Paul said back in Colossians, like, look, see to it that nobody takes you captive with that kind of talk. Don't be taken captive. The Greek word there for captive captive, is rarely used in Scripture. It's sologogon. Sologogon means to carry off like plunder. Uh, The word there, sologogon, comes from ago, which is to carry away, and sola, which is treasure. So sologogon, don't let anybody carry away that treasure. Don't let anybody haul you off. Don't let anybody take you captive. Don't let anybody kidnap your mind. Don't let anybody kidnap your soul don't let them plunder you with their philosophy don't let them take you captive by their study of wisdom by their human reasoning don't let anybody move you away from christ by viewpoints or worldviews or morality or values or principles that come from human wisdom but he says rather philosophy is an empty deception when it's apart from christ And so really you could read that text. What Paul is saying there is, see to it that nobody seduces you and plunders you and robs your soul through human wisdom or even empty deceit. It's Christ and Christ alone. This series on the five solas has probably been the most surprising series in a way that I've ever preached That has really, really surprised me. Like, how so? Well, I felt like as we were growing and people were being added to our church and I felt like God's timing around that I've been planning it and it just kind of seemed to fit with the season that we're in. I feel like it's really important to establish clearly who we are. So many people are coming in. I wanted to be clear on this is what we believe. And I also know that there are a lot of people checking out Jesus and I wanted them to be like, to try and help them figure out what they believe, what you believe. And then maybe for those who have been saved for a while, I might this re-energize and reinvigorate the faith that we've so longly held to. But the series, I honestly, it's a doctrinal series. It's a theological series. It's not like super user help, you know, what do they call that, um, self-help. It's not like user-friendly. I mean, it's a little deeper. It's a little more complex. It's very theological. And yet, God has seemingly used this series in our church in ways that has surprised me. I I don't know that I've ever preached a series where I've had more emails and more texts and more conversations with people around what God has been doing in their life and it just surprised me i mean i was excited about preaching theology i was excited about preaching scripture alone grace alone faith alone christ alone even trey said to me like hey those middle three it's almost like you could preach the same sermon grace alone faith alone christ alone they almost kind of intertwine overlap like how are you going to differentiate and and so I, i get the depth of it i get the complexity of it and it just surprised me the way that god has been has been using this and 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 here's what's interesting so paul was like in this text he's like hey when it comes to Christ alone, don't let anybody take you captive and lead you astray and, and carry you off into some other, some other belief or religion or, or philosophy or vain deceit. No, you are complete in Jesus Christ alone. And what I've discovered in this series is, here's what I found. I was telling somebody the other day, this is what's happened in our church. I would put it in one word. What I feel like God has done. It's not that in this series only not of people not are people being carried away captive. They're not being carried away captive, or not not I guess we should say, being carried. They're not being carried away captive. But here's what is happening: people are finding freedom. If if I could put this series in one word, what I've watched and observed is people are finding real freedom. Like it 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 it, 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 it is as if. The burden has been lifted, and people are walking out thinking, "Man, I, I thought it was yeah, it was grace and faith, but there was more. And I was having to add to it and do and front load and back load my faith, and front load and back load my salvation. and And, it, and I had to be a good person. And I had to not hurt anybody. And I had to keep the Ten Commandments. And I had to be, you know, moral. And I had to be upright." but people have said no you know what I'm finding it's grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone and it's so freeing and by the way once you discover salvation like that you just want to walk in your own sanctification it's not like that sets you free to go do whatever you want it sets you free to become who God wants you to be what should we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How should we that are dead therein walk any longer therein? We don't. Once we know who we are in Christ, some, some from a legalistic standpoint be like, you can't preach freedom because then the people will go do whatever they want. No, you preach freedom and the people will be who they ought to be. You don't have to tie them down and bound them down and burden them down and laden them down with, with all these other things. It's Christ and Christ alone by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone and they can discover freedom and, it, and it's like people are coming alive in our church and they're they're just finding freedom in Christ. To, to not go do what they want but to go and become who God's called them to be. If I were to I want to, I want to I want to just kind of try my best to explain to you what it's like to be in Christ alone. If I were to go by your house and you were sitting on the couch with Jesus talking, that'd be quite an experience, wouldn't it? <laughs> and if you and Jesus were on the couch talking about what it's like to be in Him and Him and you, and over there across from the couch is God and he's seated in the love seat and so you're in your house talking with Jesus about what it's like to be in him and him and you and God's sitting there in the room and then I as your pastor walk in your house and if I were to walk over to God in the midst of that conversation and I said to God look over there on the couch God who on that couch is more righteous and who on that couch do you love more god would look at you and me and he would say both both you mean to tell me that god wouldn't say jesus is more righteous and that he loves jesus more than me not when you're in Christ because when you're in Christ God looks at you and he sees Jesus and he loves you like he loves the son and you are as righteous and declared righteous and he sees you none other than righteous and it's not in anything other than Jesus Christ and Christ alone a pastor or priest doesn't save you a past Christian doesn't save you Good works will never save you. Only Jesus Christ saves. And the reason he saves is because he's God. And God became 100% for us in the person of Jesus Christ. You are complete in him. Don't let anybody carry you off through philosophy or vain deception. In this world of complexity and uh, and, uh, an innumerable amount of religious options and opinions... Jesus brought us great clarity. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the father but by me. It is Christ and Christ alone. Let us give him glory as we pray. Jesus, you came and you did this on our behalf for our good for your glory we thank you for saving us and redeeming us and setting us free we we hallow you we exalt you we magnify you and we lift you up not to be in you in Christ and you Lord Jesus and then go do whatever we want but to be in Christ to be in you Lord Jesus and go be who you want us to be with our heads bowed and our eyes closed if you are not in Christ there's never been a time in your life where you turned from your sin and trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior once again I said it earlier I give you a prayer of faith to pray you're not praying it to me but you're praying it to Him and it's not the prayer that saves you it's He that He's the one that saves you but you could just say right now, if you're not in Christ, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you've been counting on other things, and you've been, you thought Jesus was okay, but you thought a lot of other things had to be a part of it. But no, it's Christ alone, and you see that tonight. And if you want to come to Christ, and Christ alone, and trust Him as your personal Lord and Savior, you would just say to Him right now, in a prayer of faith, right there in your seat, you would say, Jesus, I trust you and you alone. I recognize that you died on the cross. You paid for my sin." You shed your blood and paid for my debt. You rose again the third day and you offer me eternal life. And the very best that I know how, Jesus, right now, I choose you and you alone. I place my faith wholly and totally, completely in you, Jesus. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you've never trusted christ as your savior and you've never placed your faith in him alone right there in your heart you could have just prayed that prayer you could pray that right now just say that that jesus i echo those words right there that's me i want you and you alone i'm trusting you to save me i'm trusting you to forgive me i know that your blood paid for my debt on the cross you rose again the third day you offer me eternal life and in you and you alone i place my faith Those are the words of your heart. Just echo that in your heart. God, yes, that's my prayer to you. If tonight is the moment of your salvation, today is the day of your salvation, that you've placed your faith in Christ and Christ alone, I encourage you, if you're watching online, send us a message or a comment there. If you're here, live, person, just uh, go to our prayer area, either tent on the front patio or the back patio. Ask one of our volunteers for a Bible. We have some information we'd love to give you based on your faith decision in our service today. Lord Jesus, we thank you for those who have placed their faith, hope, and trust in you and you alone. And for those of us who had already claimed Christ alone, may we be encouraged and energized to continue to walk in the truth that you've delivered to us. And we know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And they're only coming to the Father through you. And for that, we give you glory. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.